It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Will Joey Votto be ready for opening day? Some comments he made here recently make us wonder about that. But I know this. If the Reds were to add Johnny Cueto to the rotation, this pitching staff would be shored up in a way that I don't think we estimated it could be throughout the offseason. We are going to talk about that and more on this live Aloha Friday of the Locked On Reds podcast. You are live. You are Locked On Reds, your daily Cincinnati Reds podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. You are Locked On Reds. Aloha and welcome to the live Aloha Friday edition of the Locked On Reds podcast. Thanks for making the Locked On Reds podcast your first listen of the day. We are part of the Locked On Podcast Network and we are free and available on all podcasting platforms. I'm your host, Stephen Offenbaker, alongside Jeff Carr, and we have a passion for baseball. We have a passion for the Cincinnati Reds, and we have taken that passion and turned it into information for you. On today's live show, we are going to dig into Joseph Daniel Votto's comments that he made this week on the Reds Hot Stove League program. We are going to discuss his impact on the Reds lineup if he's healthy and playing and also, if he's not, uh, I know that's a subject that's going to make Jeff a little sad if we talk about that for too long, but we are going to dig into it. We are also going to continue our conversation from this week in regards to bringing Johnny Coito home as a member of the Reds rotation. We're going to talk about the impacts that he could have on the rotation and strategies that the Reds could utilize with or without him in order to build out this rotation heading in to 2023. Uh, Jeff, I think a good place to start is going to be with the comments of our good friend, Joseph Daniel Votto, because he said some things that I think caught people off guard in regards to his health. But if you really sit back and think about it, uh, it's not as big a deal as it sounds like on the surface. And really, uh, I'm not surprised at where he says he's at in his recovery. Yeah. It's one of those things that I think that, you know, we always talk about, you never doubt Joseph Daniel Votto, but when he says that he's not quite there yet, it gives us pause. And as Reds fans, we get a little bit apprehensive. However, if we expected Joseph Daniel Votto's shoulder to be completely healed by this point in the off season, then I think we really are overly optimistic because I didn't expect I thought that you know he's probably still going to be in the middle of his rehab and maybe he misses like the first week of spring training or something like that but I still don't necessarily think this is going to affect his status right now for opening day yeah I mean if we look at this realistically from where we are when he said it's not a hundred percent to where it needs to be. He has two full months before he really needs to even start ramping up baseball activity. Uh, three full months nearly, you know, just shy of three months till opening day. That's a lot of time to get that shoulder strengthened the rest of the way. Now, we've seen video of him out there taking swings and doing baseball things. So it's not like he's not uh, already preparing in that regard. I think it's just a matter of 
you know, he still feels weakness in that particular shoulder and that's going to come with time. And it, and, and, you know, I mean, I had rotator cuff done years ago and there's still a slight difference in my shoulder compared to the other one. And I'm not being uh, taken care of by professional trainers. So, you know, (laughs) I think that, I think that, you know, it may be also a case of Joey learning to adjust to the fact that that shoulder may just always feel a little different, even though the strength is there. And even though he's able to do the baseball thing. So, you know, I think, you know, Joey's not had a significant injury like this into his shoulders or arms. So this is going to be a learning process for him as well. Yeah. And it's something, remember, that he said he really had been dealing with since 2015. And it had just gotten to the point where he needed surgery to repair it. And, And the fact that whenever he comes back, we're talking about a clean shoulder. He had been playing since 2015 on a messed up shoulder and he still had some pretty good years in there. So I'm very intrigued about that. That's why you and I keep saying that whenever he's back, we're talking about comeback player of the year, Joey Votto. We're, we're not worried about that at all, but let's, let's talk for a minute about if he does miss opening day, because that is something we've heard a couple of folks say, like, I, I believe I've, I saw Mark Sheldon say on Twitter, like he is not convinced he'll be back for opening day and things like that. There's an encouraging part to this, which it's not encouraging to have Joseph Daniel Votto out of the lineup, but the Reds are prepared in the event that that happens. I think they are. As a matter of fact, you know, I said to you off air when we were prepping for this, that I thought the Reds lineup was actually a little bit, uh, better suited for construction without Joey just because of all of the positional flexibility and the ability to move the domino pieces around. If Joey's not in this lineup, I think what we'll see is first base by committee. I think we'll see catcher by committee. I think it's possible. We'll see a couple of the outfield positions by committee, all rotating uh, between that first base position, the designated hitter position, the catcher position and the corner outfield positions. You're going to be able to to slot guys in and out and do a lot of different things that just that flexibility is not going to be there. If Joey, who can only first base and DH is put in the mix, it, it kind of slows down David Bell's ability to slide guys around. Yeah, and I think that it's important to note that in years past, it's always felt like the Reds' you know, plan for injuries was, well, we hope that so-and-so is going to come up and figure it out. We hope we have the next man up and ready to go and blah, 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 blah. That's not the case anymore. The Reds are prepared, at least in the event that Joey Votto misses significant time. Plus, I also think that Nick Crawl was like, pseudo preparing this roster in the event that Joey retires as well. Not necessarily that he's going to retire in the middle of this season, but when, you know, whenever he leaves the Reds organization, this roster is like to a point where I am comfortable saying they are ready to move on. We, we've never really thought that they had a first base prospect in the mix, but we've always kind of thought that, you know, they could move Tyler Stevenson to first base and keep his bat in the lineup, keep him healthy, things like that. They're not going to do that 100% of the time this year, but he will be a guy that is in that mix. Like you said, it's going to be it's going to be a mix. It's going to be a roster churn a little bit for guys at first base and guys at catcher and guys at DH. They, they've said for the last couple of years since the DH was instituted in the National League that it was going to be a spot to rotate guys through, not a spot for somebody to sit and hang out, and that's going to be their starting gig. So I, I'm encouraged by the way that the roster shapes out 
in the event that Joey's hurt. Now, the interesting thing, and I, I want to address this too, that you noted, is that the lineup is more flexible without him because you're you're looking at a lineup that should Joey Votto be healthy, he should be batting third. So without him, who slots into that third position? Because if, if they come up opening day, we know who's batting fourth, and we know who's probably batting first or second. Jonathan India probably in one of those two spots, but who bats third? Hmm. You know, that's a great question because I don't know that there's a, a clear-cut answer for lineup construction on this team right now. There's a lot of question marks about how guys are going to perform. I, I guess if, I mean, if you were just throwing names out there, probably Will Myers, maybe? He's probably the de facto. He's probably the yeah. de facto number three hitter and, you know, in front of Tyler Stevenson. I, I'll tell you this. I don't think there's anybody on this this team right now uh, heading at least on paper, you know, somebody's going to, you know, stand out and establish themselves, but there's nobody on paper right now that I look at as being good protection for Tyler Stevenson in this lineup, like somebody that's going to, you know, help him be able to get pitches when his uh, at bats come around. I think that uh, it'll be interesting to see how that plays out because for me, you know, probably Jonathan India is your leadoff guy. I would love to see a situation where uh, Spencer Steer ends up as a top of the lineup kind of guy, maybe in the two hole. You know, if Joey is Joey in the three hole without Joey, probably Will Myers, then Tyler Stevenson. And then if Joey's not in the three hole, maybe Joey's in the five if he's healthy and playing. Uh, it's yeah. very interesting. Uh, I'm I I think Joey Votto has reached a point in his career, even if he's healthy, that we probably do see him moving down the lineup a little bit unless unless he really does this crazy you know 30 home run comeback player of the year type of campaign then then he can hit wherever he wants and i wonder too and and this might give some people a little bit of heartburn but at least on opening day if joey Votto's not in the lineup do we see nixon zell in the uh, one or the two spot because there's a chance you could shuffle jonathan india around leave will myers in the fifth spot maybe put india in the third spot or the second spot and and your your top two guys that might be very interesting to see what they do there because like you like you said i i agree there's a couple of spots that are you know intuitive in this lineup and there's a lot of spots that people need to prove that they either do or don't belong there maybe they'll have a little promotion before each game david bell come out to the home plate <laughs> hat in you his hand think? All the no what? hat no hat in his hand with all the names inside, and he'll just pull the names. <laughs> Batting third for the Reds today. Tyler Stevenson. You, you, you got a notepad. You ready to take notes here? Write, write this who, down. Someone write this uh, down. Yeah. <laughs> no, that's uh, it, it's going to be very interesting because this lineup is not set. There's definitely some question marks. There's some upside with guys. And, and like we, we've even, you know, we've been happy about Spencer Steer. Could he acquit himself as a number two type guy? That's a lot to put on a dude in his first real full season. But I mean, I mean, he's probably in the mix. So yeah, there's not a lot of guys on this roster that are on the short list to be at the top of this lineup right now. I think that's true. Here's what we know for sure. We know that Joey Votto is not ready right now today. If the season started today, the shoulder isn't fully healed, but we didn't expect it to be. Uh, the Reds do have a plan 
uh, we may not necessarily understand what all of it is, but they do have a plan in place should Joey not be ready for opening day. And it's going to be very interesting watching how things shake out in spring training as we get closer and closer to starting the season against the Pittsburgh Pirates. I'm waiting for the first comment of somebody to say shuffling deck chairs on the Titanic. Uh, go. All right. Anyway, uh, there's been some rumors here recently that Johnny Cueto may be returning to the Queen City. One thing is for certain, he will make this pitching staff way better if he does. We're going to tell you exactly what kind of impact he could have here in just a moment. But first, today's episode is brought to you by Built Bar. Looking for a delicious treat, but don't want all of the fat and the calories? I mean, it's New Year's. Everybody's got a resolution going on right now. Most of us probably thinking, let's get a little bit healthier. And you got to try Built Bar. We just got through the holidays. And, you know, with that whole eating better thing, it's a little bit difficult to kind of dive into it wholeheartedly because, well, you probably think you got to compromise on taste, right? I've got just the thing for you. You got to go to built with built healthy is tasty seriously they're so delicious you won't think that they're good for you but they are what makes built bars so good well for starters they're all covered in 100 real chocolate that's right real chocolate there's not like additives that make it taste chocolatey built has it all with 100 real chocolate whether you're talking about milk chocolate dark chocolate or white chocolate it's all there and they come in unbelievable flares like churro peanut butter brownie and coconut almond they've got so many more than that just too that's just a couple to name a few i'm not sure how built does it but these bars taste just like a candy bar while maintaining amazing macros that's a big word for those of us that don't pay that much attention to healthy stuff and it's even better is that they are healthy only 130 calories four grams of sugar and a whopping 17 grams of protein and now you don't need to wait around to get a box. For years, we've been talking about how ordering your built bars at built.com, but now you can get them at your local Walmart or Sam's Club. That's right. Head to your nearest Walmart today. Walk to the pharmacy section and grab yourself a box of the built box of built bars. You can pick up a four-bar box of cookies and cream, double chocolate, or coconut puffs. You know how much I like the puffs, guys. You gotta get a puff. Plus, if you're close to Sam's Club, you can go get yourself a big 13-bar box. Because, you know, big box store with uh, our hit flavors like brownie batter and churro. You can thank me later. That's built and check it out at Sam's and at Walmart. Coming up next week, we will keep you apprised of all the latest rumors and look ahead at what the opening day lineup could be. We, we kind of mentioned that here just a, just a brief bit, but uh, when it comes to this opening day lineup, it's going to be something that we talk about all throughout spring training. So you can believe that this won't be the last time we mention that. All right. Steve, no, and I think uh, we might have a, I think we might have a drop in visitor next week too. Uh, don't have it I confirmed have... enough to tease a name yet, but uh, somebody might swing by and talk to us next week. I think. Somebody who might wear a Hawaiian shirt if we invite him on a Aloha. I, as I know for a fact he would wear a Hawaiian <laughs> shirt if I ask him to. Yeah. We'll see. So, he's, he's, he's working on his schedule for me. But, uh, you know, stick around next week, folks. We might have uh, some fun conversation coming up. As the professionals say, stay tuned. Uh, Steve, we've been talking a lot about rumors when it comes to a former Red coming to Cincinnati again. And that's Johnny Cueto. Johnny Cueto has listed those Cincinnati Reds as a finalist 
three finalists for his services in 2023. Now we, we talked a little bit about it on yesterday's pod where, you know, we'd be a little bit surprised if he did come here, but the value is clear. Dude pitched amazingly last season and it would really, the presence of Johnny Cueto would bolster the Reds pitching staff, the Reds rotation to a point that they could possibly consider a strategy that you and I have talked about a bit for the last year or so that we would love to see. Oh, with Johnny in house, we could go back to talking about the six man rotation. And I know, I know you're, you're probably already scratching your head, but the comments are going to blow up a uh, six man rotation. We've been struggling to figure out who the five were going to be. Right. But, <laughs> but hear me out on this. I mean, we already know that with the six man rotation, I've, I have called for Nick Lodolo to be the opening day starter. So let's just mm-hmm. pencil him in because I'm right about this. Nick Lodolo, number one. Immediately behind him, Hunter Green. And Hunt and okay, you know what? Fine, Jeff. We're gonna do this right now. Because <laughs> if if you want to put Hunter Green and Nick Lodolo's rookie season campaign side by side, there is no way with a straight face you can tell me that Hunter Green outpitched Nick Lodolo and deserves to be the number one starter. We're the better caper nine. Oh, stop it. It doesn't matter who had, <laughs> who gave up more home runs, who, you know, come on. It's, it's, you can't do it. It's Nick Lodolo and then Hunter Green. I think at number three, you keep, you keep this trio of, of, of young pitchers together and you go with Graham Ashcraft. Now there is an argument that you put Johnny Cueto in that three spot, you know, so you have the two rookies and then Cueto, and then you drop in with another batch of rookies behind him. Or, or young pitchers behind him, which would then be uh, Ashcraft. But I, I like keeping it Lodolo Green Ashcraft. Then you go with Cueto. Then now you get to the fifth spot. And I think, you know, here's here's my, my hot take of the day. I've been thinking about this, and I think that Williamson's going to show up ready to pitch from day one on spring training. Right. And I think he's going to go out there and take that, that number five spot because the writing was already on the wall at the end of last season. And if he hasn't been busting his butt every day, this off season to get ready to go out there and take that job, then I, I don't know what to tell you. It just means he didn't want it because the, the writing has been there that the spot was going to be there for him. He just needed to go take it. So that's your number five guy. Now the number six guy, here's where it gets interesting because you don't necessarily have to say we're using a six man rotation. We're using a six man rotation all season long. And that's just the way it's going to be. You can start that way. You can slide guys in and out of that sixth spot in the rotation. Mm -hmm. You can get guys like stout some starts in the sixth spot. You could get, uh, Abbott some starts in the sixth spot and it doesn't necessarily have to be the same guy all season long if somebody in another slot in the rotation is tired or has a little bit of a nagging injury you can skip them and use a five-man rotation format keeping everybody healthy keeping everybody rested not running the risk of having to play the ridiculous oh suddenly he's a little injured in september we're gonna have to shut him down for a minute right. uh, stuff that none of us believed nobody believed that those pitchers were tired they weren't hurt right it's just the way that it was. So this this to me solves a lot of problems and allows them to really I don't want to say baby Jeff, but it really allows them to protect these young arms. Yeah, that that that's the most important part of this. It's not that we want them to force a guy and, and the important thing is going to be ready is or the the important thing is going to be is Stout ready? Is Abbott ready? Is Connor Overton healthy and ready to go? Who is the sixth man and is he ready? Because if they do have six guys, the value of this 
is taking pressure off the top, taking pressure off of Lodolo, taking pressure off of Green, taking pressure off Ashcraft, taking pressure off of Johnny Cueto. Should Johnny Cueto be here? Because we mentioned at the top of this offseason that if you're looking at goals for the offseason, they've really nailed them with Tyler Stevenson. They really did a great job of bringing in a reliable outfield bat. And we did also think that, hey, they could value or they could they could benefit quite a bit from bringing in a veteran presence for the rotation because the rotation is very young and is very shallow. And that veteran presence would help that deepen. But you bring this all in and you, you add to the rest because the game of baseball nowadays is not let's force our guys to throw 300 innings in a year. Sure. If they're good enough to, and if they're healthy enough to whatever, let them go do that. But if you can limit it to 140, 150 innings a year, and you're talking about, you know, down the road, you don't have these guys whose arms are falling off. Like there's a little bit of a long game that they can play with a six man rotation. So I would love to see, this ability but even if they don't get the six man rotation you take pressure off of who's going to be the fifth man because mm -hmm. then you just go with the hot hand if brandon williamson has got a couple of good starts in him good on him let him go if he starts to struggle a little bit all right let's see what levi stout's got let's see what connor overton has let's see what uh andrew abbott has you know there, there's options here and then probably they're going to pick up one or two guys off of waivers throughout spring training and maybe they stick around for a little bit too. So I, I think that Johnny Cueto's value to this team is worth whatever they would have to pay. Like, I don't think we're talking about a guy who's going to be making 18, 19, $20 million, probably 13 or 14 is more what they are looking at to have to sign him. You talk about them still going out there and signing a few guys. I can't wait for the emergency podcast when they <laughs> sign Jeff Hoffman. I'm I can't wait. I I, I know you've got the jersey pressed and hanging just off camera there. I know exactly where it is in your office. Uh, I can't <laughs> wait for that. But but no, your your points well taken on the moves that they've made. I mean, you and I basically listed four things at the end of last season that we thought absolutely had to happen for this team to be. Uh, solidly moving forward none of neither of us have ever said this is what they're going to do to be a playoff contender i think they right. could stumble stumble their way into relevance by doing these four things uh the first one was go out and get that outfielder in a tommy fam like signing and that's what they did with will myers very very similar the way that whole thing shook out the way that whole deal shook out and and that that player's impact on the lineup very similar. Second thing that we said they needed to do was overhaul the catching position, which they did. They did both of those things, and I think they did it effectively. We said they need to get a starting pitcher. We said they need to fix the bullpen. We're still kind of waiting to see where all of those shoes fall in this thing. But for me, Johnny Cueto is also a game changer, and I've said this a, a few times, but I think it's worth repeating just a little bit that from a front office standpoint, it's the signing that lets them hold the press conference. The, the Will Myers signing didn't let them hold a press conference. Nobody was getting ready to plan a parade for Kurt Casale. As good as he was while he was here, it right. didn't really move the needle in that way. If they signed Johnny Coito, they could have the press conference down at the ballpark. They can make a big deal out of it. You know, God for, I mean, probably Phil Castellini's handing him a, I'm sorry, that's SOB, son of Bob, Phil Castellini, is handing the jersey over and having the photo up. Probably not allowed to talk at that press conference, but at least no. holding the jersey and handing it over. It, it gives them that PR 
moment in the offseason because it's a player that's loved. It's a player that the casual fan would be excited about. It's a player that everybody would recognize. So I think, I mean, I know it's probably, I'm probably overvaluing that component, but I think that matters. I think that oh, yeah. the Castellini ownership group and Nick Crawl would love to have some type of moment this offseason to have that press conference. And you just you have something to point to. You're right because then we're going to go through a another off season, assuming they don't sign Johnny Cueto, where there's still lots of questions from most of the fan base, where they're just like, "What is the direction here?" And while people are questioning the Reds, they're watching the Bengals just go nuts and have playoff runs and, and have lots of success. Who day? So there, there's going to be, again, this dichotomy of just like how far apart are these two teams and how much are these two fan bases just completely on different levels right now. And they have to notice that there's no way that the ownership group for the Cincinnati Reds is sitting by and not seeing what the Bengals are doing. Now, does Johnny Quaid again, we're saying this. So very poignantly, Johnny Cueto doesn't make them a playoff team. Will Myers doesn't make them a playoff team. Kirk Casale, Luke Maley, the trade for Nick Solak doesn't make them a playoff team. The things that will make this team a playoff team are not going to happen this year. They're probably going to happen over the course of the next two years. So you can't, there's no microwave scenario here. There's no quick option to just fix everything and boom, the Reds are there. But there are some things that help move that baseline up a little bit. And Johnny Cueto is a huge move the baseline up a little bit because you also bring in a mentor. And we, we haven't mentioned this when it comes to the pitching staff, you bring in a mentor for all these young guys, guys that a, a, a pitcher that they can lean on a pitcher that they can talk to a pitcher that can help them out through maybe a struggle of a start. Like how do they understand what just happens when they, you know, Hunter Green's start in Milwaukee when he gives up five home runs? You can go back and talk to Johnny, and Johnny's like, "Oh, well, sit down. I got a story to tell you, regale you with." I don't know why I think he's like a sailor, but yeah, um, <laughs> he's not yeah. Pop all in a rocking chair. What are you talking about? <laughs> Freaking Popeye going on over here. Yeah, that's oh weird. Oh my god, but Jeff. no, like you. That would be a really big get for so many different reasons. And I think it would be a day and probably a check mark on this off season where we can just go, boom, let's go bring on pitchers and catchers reporting. We're ready. I agree. And we have now reached my favorite part of the live Aloha Fridays, Jeff. We're going to start digging in to questions and comments, but let's do this. Jeff, why don't you take us through this next break real quick and let me get set up on the comment section over here while you're yeah. a talking and then we will move forward with questions and comments. Yeah, definitely. Uh, uh, coming up here, we do have quite a few to get into. We got some active chatters here in the YouTube chat uh, that we're going to have a couple of questions for our audio audience. But again, we are live here on YouTube. If you're listening on your favorite audio platform, make sure you join us 1.30 p.m. on Fridays throughout the offseason for our live Aloha editions of the pod. So we got some questions and comments coming up here in just a moment. But before we get into that, I wanted to let you know, you can follow the show on YouTube if this is your first time. Thank you. And click that bell to get notified. You can also follow us on Twitter in between episodes. You can follow me at Jeff Carr with three Fs. You can follow Steve at S. Offenbaker with two Fs. And you can follow the show as well at Lockdown Reds. We have things that we talk about on Twitter uh, in between episodes, uh, whether it be the Reds, the Bengals, um, 
different things that are happening. You know, we, we just like to keep it real and we'll, we'll keep it chill too. We're not going to overload your feed or anything like that. Uh, but also Steve too, uh, I, I think that it's interesting to note with all of the, uh, questions about the red swirling around i've noticed that people have um stopped uh mentioning how optimistic i've been so i'll just remind them the reds are going to win 75 or more games this year and uh, i I hope everybody uh, hope everybody enjoys that i I love that you remain dedicated to putting vodka in that stormtrooper mug every morning before we do this. it's coffee i promise it's coffee (laughs) Mm -hmm. all right let's get into this let's dig into a couple comments uh some of these are in response to what we've been talking about starting with joey calvin says he guess joey should work the crowds if he's not ready on opening day the reds need all they the help they can get to get fans to see live ball games hey this is true you know this is actually a good point if joey's not ready on opening day i think that he should just be like wandering the ballpark and, and doing some of the things he did last season while he was injured. Uh, I mean, Calvin's right. I, it would bring people down to the yard. If, if you knew that, you know, every game Joey was going to be wandering around between the third and the seventh innings or whatever. I, I mean, I would definitely make sure I got down there for that. I would be interested to see, especially if it's like a cold opening day, I'd be like, all right, uh, what's the, what's the one, the goose Canada goose, which, which Canadian goose jackets, uh, Joey wearing. Cause you know, it's Canadian goose. Seth Pryor checks in and I, and Seth got me. I'm going to tell you, Jeff, I told you this off air and I'll, I'll, I'll stroke Seth's ego just a little bit because he got me in the YouTube comments, uh, yesterday and I was, I was ready to fight. I was ready to sit down and write like a, a seven paragraph response. And I talked myself out of it because uh, Seth was basically, you know, on me about my my take on moving Jonathan India to the outfield and, you know, telling me, you know, India just won rookie of the year and all this stuff. And, and Seth's right. India did just win rookie of the year. But his defense was bad then, too. He's not a great second baseman. So if we can improve defense at second base, find India a home still in the starting lineup on a corner outfield spot and a designated hitter, the team's better. Uh, the Reds are better. We get to see more wins. We get to see more quality baseball. It, it's, you know, just because the guy won an award playing a position average doesn't mean he gets to continue to play at the position. All that being said, Seth checks in and and says, if Votto is ready, then the infield basically should be uh, India, Barrero, Steer, Stevenson, and Votto. And uh, that's probably what it'll be if the Reds don't get a little cutting edge. That's probably, if, if Votto's healthy, that's probably what the infield looks like, Jeff. Yeah, no, I, I definitely agree there. But and I also think to the point about moving India and, and, and why are we thinking that, that a percentage of that idea also comes from the fact that the Reds talent coming up through the farm system is wholly like infield focused. Like there are a couple of outfielders, but they're far away. They're not ready this year. And there are some questions about whether they will ever be ready. So you've got a guy who you know can hit, maybe you probably could play left field all right. I think it would make sense to at least try it out. I don't know that the Reds are going to necessarily do that, but if they do that, they've got some guys that can move over into the second base spot very easily. Would you be upset with an opening day outfield of India? uh, Sorry, India, uh, Matt McCain, and Myers. Oh, Oh, yeah, no. I, I don't know. I... I don't see a scenario where Jake Fraley's not in the opening day lineup this year. Like, well, I, I don't know that Matt McClain I'm talking could, about a platoon. Could. I'm talking about a platoon. Okay, well, yeah, if it's a lefty pitcher, sure. Yeah. 
I'll so I, I, I got no problem with Indy out there. I, the more I think about it, the more I just uh, listen, Nick, we know you're listening, Nick crawl, Nick, <sighs> India to the outfield I'm telling you it's, it's a way to go. This is one of my, this is becoming quickly, Jeff, one of my favorite uh, YouTube commenters, and that is poofy haired fancy boy. And <laughs> he's got some stuff in the chat that I'm not putting up on the screen and talking about, but this one I will for just a minute thinks I should grow the Joey Votto esque beard. I would take be all, while. I would be all, no, it wouldn't take me very long. Uh, I, I just, uh, I would be so, all in on that except for the fact that I have to be able to get an N95 to seal on my face at work. And it won't yeah, do it. So that's this. This is as big as it can go, and still seal that mask. So that's why no Joey, Joey Votto beard. Joey's Reds Fest beard looks like he just came out. You, you ever remember the movie Shooter? And and like he's like way out in the wilderness of Alaska, and he's got like all of the beard and stuff like that. But he's been there for years. Like it just looks like Joey somehow spent five years growing that beard, and then he shows mm -hmm. up at Reds Fest, and then he shows up spring training completely shaved. Like I don't, I don't. He must he must be the king of beard growers and he just doesn't have one during the season. Seth also checked in talking about he had a shoulder injury. This is when we were talking about Votto's recovery. Uh, it is extremely hard, Seth. I, I agree with you that I, I you know when I did my rotator cuff rehab, like you know I have seen the people that don't take the rehab seriously and can't lift their arm above shoulder level. You know, it, like they can only get it about to here. And I was not going to be one of those people, so I attacked. I attacked rehab and, and from what I've seen from Votto, he is attacking rehab. So I, I think oh, he's going to get there. I, I really, I really do think he's going to be there. Um, I just hope that, uh, that he has set reasonable expectations in his head for what post surgery life is going to look like with that shoulder. Ronnie Snyder checks in, says that he's happy that the awful shift is going to be gone forever. Better baseball ahead. We haven't really spent a whole lot of time talking about this, Jeff, but the impacts of the banning of the shift. Do you mm -hmm. think it's going to be a big deal? Do you think it's not going to be a big deal? What? How do you see this playing out? I don't necessarily know that it's going to be that huge of a deal like i i feel like you you always hear the take of like ah oh, man joey or you know insert left-handed batter here is going to hit 300 with without the shift and i mean joey that might be true but there's some guys that we'll see a little bit of an improvement for but overall i don't think a lot of hitters approaches are going to change like i don't think you're just going to see because like the, the one that i always think about is joey gallo joey gallo was a straight pool hitter and every team that faced him would put all eight guys on the pool side and dare him to do anything else. And he still tried to be a straight pool hitter. Like there's some guys who just for whatever reason, have it in their mind that I'm going to hit this way. I think it's an ego thing mostly, but I'm just going to hit and you're not going to catch it. And then there's eight guys that are ready to catch it. So I, I think that overall, we're going to see a little bit of a change, but I don't necessarily know that we're going to see the drastic flip in the sport that everybody is expecting. Yeah, I tend to agree. Uh, I think it will improve batting averages slightly. I think numbers will be up a little bit. I think teams, I think teams are going to get creative defensively within the letter of the rule, because basically all of these limitations on the shift uh, are in place until the pitcher starts his windup. And, you know, there, there are some defenders. I don't know that the reds have any of them, but there are some defenders that are quick enough 
to make some adjustments while the pitcher is in his windup. And if you if you're committed enough to the idea that a player is going to hit the ball to the right side of the infield, let's say you've got a left-hander up there. If you are committed enough to that idea that this guy is going to pull the ball, as soon as the pitcher starts his windup, you can have like a windmill on. I mean, guys can move at that point. So I think teams will do that. I think you'll see where the infielder, you know, second baseman's got his toes in the dirt. And as soon as that windup starts, drops straight back into that short right field position. And at the same time, whoever is playing shortstop is exactly as close to second base as they can be and still be legal. And then as soon as that windup starts, runs over and fills that hole that's created by the second baseman dropping back. And, and, and then the third baseman scooting towards shortstop. We used to, I mean, I, I recall like teams doing this back in like, you know, travel ball days and, and high school days, you know, like a windmill play where the whole mm-hmm. infield's moving when the pitcher goes so that you don't show your hand so much. So I, I, I could see them doing that. I think the other thing that the the shift rule that they now have did not stipulate is the outfield positioning. There might mm-hmm. be some teams that pull their right fielder into where they had the second baseman or third baseman or whatever playing shallow right field, and they might shade the center fielder over to right center so as to still load up on the pool side and dare the left-handed hitter to either hit it right up the middle or you know still push it because you'll still see the shortstop be as close to second base as possible. I agree with you. And you may, I still think there's going to be some form of shifting available. So I don't necessarily think that we're talking about, you know, stratomatic it's straight up. You got your first base and the first base hole, second base, you know, so yeah, we're not going back to the seventies on defensive placement. That's not what's going to happen. Strategy. We'll figure out a way. This is what I know. If it makes hashtag Manfred hates baseball upset, I like it. So I hope teams get creative. That's for sure. Hey, Ronnie makes another great point. Jeff, Ronnie says, don't forget about the coming of Ellie. Uh, the young man will yeah. change the hitting order. This in regards to where we were going to bat, guys. That's true. Uh, we didn't take that into account when we talked about this, Jeff. If if some strangeness happens where Ellie is on this team opening day, it completely changes how you construct this lineup. Uh, I don't know that. I I mean, you know, a lot of times we see guys come up and they're automatically seven, eight, nine hitters in the lineup. I don't think that's what they do with Ellie De La Cruz when he comes up, no matter how he's performing, you know, even if he does have that struggle at the beginning, I don't see them putting him at the bottom of the lineup. I think if everybody's healthy, he bats second. Uh, He's got some wheels too. I mean, that's, that's true. Uh, but man, I think you got him India, and, him and Stevenson at three and four is, mm. <laughs> yeah. But even with Joey, like I still think, and I'm, I'm married to this idea that Joey's just going to go crazy this year, but I think you got India, you got Ellie, you got Vado, you got Stevenson, you got Will Myers. I think that's your top five. Should Ellie De La Cruz come up and um, immediately be as good as we think he can. Seth, Seth, Seth's on fire today. Jose Barrero will bat second if he earns the shortstop position. Not a chance. I don't just be happy if he doesn't bat last. He could be. He's just gonna be happy to be on the field. What I no. I think that a a Barrero that figures out hitting could be valuable as that. Like you know how we always say like oh you bat the fast but not necessarily great hitter number nine so you 
kind of have two leadoff spots whenever you turn the lineup over. I think I could see him batting number nine. Yeah, I, I, but I just don't know yeah. that he's a strategic player. Like you're not going to go into the game saying we got Jose Barrero in the lineup. Like that's just not going to be a thing. I, mean, I feel like we spend a lot of time and, and Carlos loves to get on us about this a little bit. I, I, I feel like we spend a lot of time sounding really down and negative about Jose Barrero. And yeah. I, I mean, it's I true. want Jose, I want Jose Barrero to work out, but I, I just, he hasn't shown us anything at the major league level to make me say he can show up and be a top of the lineup kind of guy. And there's no chance that he can change my mind in spring training this year, no, no matter me, how he looks. Let, let's put it this way. If Jose Barrero, Hats, uh, he's he's hitting good enough to bat second. The Reds are much closer to 500 than everybody thinks they will be. Because if that's he probably, is panning out that well, this team is just way better than, that's, than we think. That's true. I but I'm what I'm saying is there's there's not enough of there's not enough time in Goodyear in the month of March for Jose Barrero to submit himself as the number two hitter in this lineup. And even and even if I mean listen. Even if he goes to Goodyear and hits 600, it's Goodyear. He's facing right. pitchers that are going to be pitching in Daytona. It's it's you can't it just no. I, I can't do it. I, it's just getting me worked up. I, I definitely agree with there, but I'm what I'm saying is like the upside of that is the Reds are doing so much better if Jose Barrero is doing that much better. Like I think that. As he moves, he's not the most important player on the team, but he could be the most impactful player on the team because if he is batting that well, Ellie De La Cruz is playing third base, Spencer Steers, your super utility, those two things happen a year ahead of time, and, and it's just going to be absolutely phenomenal that the roster will fall into place behind that. But I'm with you. I think that that is like the .1 percentile of outcomes when it comes to Jose Barrero, and that – is where we will drop off the audio side of things. Thanks, everybody, for checking us out on the audio version. If you're watching here live on YouTube, stay right there. We're going to continue talking Reds baseball with you here in the comments section. But if you're on the audio side of things, thanks so much for listening to us. Make sure you check out our live edition of the Lockdown Reds podcast every Friday at 1.30. Steve, take us away. All right. Uh, thanks so much for making us your first listen. I don't have my sheet in front of me. You caught me completely off guard, Jeff. Thanks a lot. Let me scroll. <laughs> thanks for making Locked on Reds your first listen. Uh, now make your second listen, the Locked on MLB Prospects podcast with host Lindsey Crosby. Lindsey is a prospect encyclopedia. Uh, he goes deep into the Major League Baseball uh, stats. He goes deep into the coverage of the minor leagues, and he will tell you about all of the Major League Baseball stars of tomorrow today. And I really do think that that's a Disney thing. I'm going to remember it. It, it, <laughs> it pulls at me every time I say it. Just like the Locked on Reds podcast, uh, the Locked on MLB Prospects podcast is free and available wherever you get your podcasts. We will continue to be right here scouring the transactions, uh, listening in on the rumors, and keeping you Locked on Reds every single day. Hey, Prime members. You can listen to this Locked on podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today.